You're listening to Something Real, connecting the reality of God to the realities of life. On this week's Something to Talk About, we are discussing Palm Sunday. And that seems like a a pretty broad subject, but we are kind of honing in on uh, Matthew's account of Palm Sunday here since we've been in Luke and we're going to see this again as we get back into Luke later. Uh, We're focusing on Matthew's account here and we're really getting into a discussion about the importance of what this time uh, this week between Palm Sunday and Easter really means. So I hope you guys enjoy the discussion. Hello, everyone. Hello, Rich. Hello. Good morning. We are talking about Palm Sunday. It was last weekend. Yes, it was. It's kind of, it feels like kind of a blur. It was a particularly <laughs> exciting Palm Sunday as Real Life Community Church moved into our new location, mm-hmm. our new recording location as well. So um, it was pretty neat to be able to um, have the arrival of Jesus being celebrated going into Jerusalem while we were also having our dedication service and celebrating the arrival of our church in this property. You should have called the sermon that. Celebrating the arrival? That would have been a good idea. I should have thought of that. Too late. So it was Palm Sunday, and we we went back and forth um, last week when we were recording the podcast. Uh, What should we record about? Should we record about something like a one-off episode? Should we do this? Should we do that? And we decided to talk about Palm Sunday, which seems fitting. Uh, So we, like I said, there was a lot going on on Sunday. Uh, We had uh, our dedication and a lot of great music. And so I think that uh, the typical sermon that we usually have was a little bit shorter than usual. It was, (laughs) But... um, you, By design, it was a little or, less expository as well. It didn't quite right. get as deep into the the context of the scripture itself, but we were able to look at it in a, a setting that uh, I think captured not necessarily the main idea, but uh, principles behind what was going on. So do you want to dive into that a little bit right here? We have more time. Yeah, well, as we were... Um, as we were working through it, you know, we, we've been in the book of Luke, uh, as everybody knows, it's been following us. Uh, and because we'll be coming back to this event, this story, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit later in Luke, uh, decided it would be good for us to step away from that for a moment. <clears throat> and since all four of the Gospels uh, record this particular event, uh, went back to Matthew and, and focused on that. So we, we looked at... Um, Psalm 118 to start as our uh, sort of opening scripture and then uh, went into Matthew's account from chapter 21, really uh, verses 1 to 17. And as we were looking at it, one of the, one of the key themes, um, without developing Matthew's whole story, one of the key themes of this event, as Matthew's telling it, as Mark, as Luke, as John are telling it, uh, really showed up in our core reality. So we kind of tried to draw that in and then then look at how do we, from that, draw out principles that, that are pretty clearly present and then also apply to what we're doing here. So um, we looked at the core reality that God's plans are surprising and seldom easy, but always perfect. And as Jesus was going into uh, Jerusalem, what everybody expected, what everybody saw, was not exactly what was happening and what... Um, what was going on with Jesus himself as he's going into this. He's going into this um, 
triumphal moment as everybody mm-hmm. is celebrating him as it should be. And yet, this was just the beginning of what God was going to do in Christ, through Christ, in Jerusalem at this time. So the plan was not for him to come and be celebrated. Right. And that's great. We end at the climax. Here's the, this wonderful high point. The job that he came for was to die for our sins and to conquer death in this way. And so um, that is kind of the surprise that they, that the crowd saw. That's why they turned on him. This is not the guy we expected. We thought he was the Messiah. He is. But they were expecting the Messiah to come as a, a valiant warrior to overthrow Rome. Right. That's not what happened. God's plan was a surprise to them in that way. <clears throat> and it wasn't an easy road because God's plan involved Jesus going to the cross, going right. and, and being humiliated and... and um, blasphemed and falsely accused, physically harmed, everything that that we can picture as going bad in life happened to Jesus. Personal betrayal, lies, attacks on his reputation and slander, uh, physical abuse, you know, legal abuse, all these different things that that can happen in modern life Mm -hmm. happened to Jesus that week. I mean, it's all happening right after this great celebration, then everything turns upside down. And so uh, it, it wasn't an easy plan for him. Uh, and yet it was still God's perfect plan and had been the plan from the beginning. Jesus was the, the Lamb of God slain from the front foundation of the world. So before sin occurred, it was already God's plan for Jesus to take our sin away by being that atoning sacrifice. So with all of these things that we didn't get, that they didn't get, that we don't even understand sometimes today, God's plan was always perfect, and that's still true for us now. It, it, it's, it amazes me how quickly <clears throat> this story moves along. From It's a week. Yeah. It's In a week, these people have totally flip-flopped. and It is a huge chunk of the Gospels, too, because we, right. see, we see the first... 30 years of his life, right. you know, well, we really don't see much of that, but Matthew and Luke have the birth narratives. And then we jump forward in Matthew to, to when he's 12. And in Luke, we jump from that, uh, you know, we, we see this, well, I, I take that back in Luke, I think we jump from to that. Anyhow, we jump fast forward through all of this human development and we kind of let that be. And then we focus on the three years of ministry. Mm-hmm. But, but the last week of ministry takes up like, four or five chapters right. in each of these books right. that just in the last week, that's right. kind of astonishing. So I'm sorry, I didn't mean to jump off your point there, but it really does move quickly right. when it does, when it hits. But I think the the humanness of it is what really gets to me. But I guess, because, you know, how can you, how can you turn on somebody so quickly? But I guess, right. like you mentioned earlier, that happens today still. Oh, I mean, for sure. you hear about a... Oh, I hate to use the comparison, but you hear about a, a celebrity yeah. who you love or who's got a squeaky clean image or whatever, and then all of a sudden they do something and they're off their TV show or they're off this oh, yeah. or blah, blah, it's, blah, or they're going to jail. And... You see that with athletes who you know fall out of people's good graces with right. bad behavior. Or I, I don't know that there's a clearer picture probably than, than President Trump. You, know, you well, see Donald Trump, who just a couple of years ago was super popular. Yeah. Everybody loves Donald Trump and, you know... Um, he, everybody's saying you're fired, you know, right. as we're going through the whole apprentice thing. Hugely popular, had right. been since the 80s, and right. his character really didn't change a whole lot. But people saw him differently, mm-hmm. and their opinion shifted, not because of really much new information about him, but 
one day they're good with it, the next day they're not, and he's the most hated person you know in the news all the time. That happens so often in life. I I, I said during the sermon at some point something about you know the boss who uh, tells you you're doing a great job on, mm-hmm. on you know today tomorrow Fires can fire you, right. and it sounded weird as I heard myself say it. But the reason I said that is because that literally was happening here in our congregation just within the last two weeks. Right. Somebody who's, who has been uh, with their company for a couple of decades and has been you know, really outstanding and everybody recognizes them outstanding as outstanding. And then just like that, literally a day after their boss had told them what a wonderful job they're doing, the boss is writing them up and threatening to fire them just that quickly. So it happens all the time. Our, our personal stories and these stories of these celebrities and then whoever, though, aren't usually aren't as detailed as what we're given here in the Gospels. And, and they're usually, I mean, obviously not as extreme. At least not publicly. Right, sure. right. So I guess that was what really stuck out to me. And obviously, I knew that before. But when you, when you put that into perspective, that this was just a week of time hmm. um, for when Jesus arrived to when he was on the cross is kind of unfathomable to me, but I, I, you know, like we just said, it happens all the time. Life turns on a dime. Well, and I think we can, if we all take a step back and look at our own lives, we can look at how many things have gone from blissful to miserable. Instantly. Instantly. And we we see that in so many different areas. It could be something as simple as getting a phone call or a message, you know. Having a great day, get some bad news, and it wrecks everything. And and I know that's happened to both of us personally. I don't think it's happened Uh, to everybody. Just about everybody that I know has that that story where... Man, what a what a zippity doodah day we're having today! And then, bam, somebody drops a, a nuke on it. But Jesus wasn't surprised by any of this. He wasn't, know? but everybody right, else was. Right. Yeah. It, and so he he didn't get caught up in the in the upside in the right. good parts of it. And, and it's interesting in Luke we were looking at just prior uh, to this we were looking at twelve and thirteen uh, chapter twelve and thirteen in Luke. And Jesus is refocusing us on reality, on what is real rather than what appears to be real. Mm-hmm. Don't get caught up in, in your fears, especially fear of man. Don't get caught up in these things because, you know, people can kill your body. People can wreck your life now, but that's going to end. And it's going to end much more quickly than you anticipate. Right. And, then and you, you won't a, know when it's going to end. That's right. And then you have an, uh, an eternal life right. that you have to deal with. You need to be focused on that life because while people can kill your body or harm your body, God can send your soul to hell for eternity. So you might want to check that. That's a little, That's a little longer than when you're here. It's a bigger deal. Right. And then he goes from that into don't worry about all the stuff going on in life. Don't worry about taking care of your needs. Don't worry about your personal protection. Don't worry about all of these things that we worry about, all the stuff that that uh, is so huge in this life because eventually it won't be this life anymore. And again, it happens more quickly than you realize. So out of that thought, then we see Jesus now going into Jerusalem, actually demonstrating that. Mm-hmm. He's receiving their worship, but he's not, you know, all of a sudden his opinion or his view of life has changed because everybody's praising him and he's a celebrity. For us as humans, that, you know, any sort of adoration changes us. Mm-hmm. We, we deal with that. You see folks in Hollywood go through that all the time. And then when that rug gets pulled out from under you, because most of the time it does, then it's like, wow, I don't know what to do with my life, and everything falls apart. 
And and you can probably identify with that to uh, to uh, some small extent from just from your time when you were uh, you know doing music <laughs> nope. when you, when you're playing at whatever venue however small or big it is and people are listening to what you're doing and they're saying wow you're so great oh you're so great oh you're so great and then they're not all of a sudden it's like whoa what happened here and it can be a very weird feeling and sometimes we don't know how to process it we don't know how to receive the praise we don't know how to not receive the praise it's all right. just kind of weird and so for Jesus. They're like, oh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, you, you know, we just love you so much. We're going to throw our coats on the ground. We're going to put palm branches out here. We're going to have a, you know, the entire community come out. Half of them don't even know what's going on, but we're going to come out because you're awesome. And he's like, yeah, I know you don't get it. I'm not putting my trust in you. I'm putting my trust in the one who holds everything. And so he didn't get caught up in the praise. But so knows, then he didn't get caught up in the rejection. Well, but he knows this, is, and I think you mentioned this on Sunday as well. That's the appropriate time for that. Right, yes. It, it, it is fitting for Jesus to receive praise, period. Anytime, well, yeah. always. <laughs> and in, and throughout his earthly ministry, he's been telling people, don't say anything, right. don't say anything, right. don't so say anything. So now is the time. And the reason he's saying that is because this would happen then, where the people want to make him king. And that's what they're doing here. He's, he's coming to Jerusalem. They want him to be king. They want him to politically take over, to militarily take over, because they see the prophecies of mm-hmm. the end times. That's what they want. That's what they expect. That's what they're celebrating. Jesus knew throughout his ministry, if they start doing this now, then that's going to thwart, as if things could actually right. thwart God's the plan. plan. Right. But that he's not going to be able to move about freely. Right. And he gets to that place where he, now he's so famous in the region outside of Jerusalem that he really can't move about freely. So he goes forward. He does what God has in, in, in store for him. And... He's not wrecked by it because, right. like you said, this is the time for it. So when the, the leaders tried to get him to, to get these, these children and, and parents to stop praising him as God, he's like, uh, that's not going to really work because if they don't do it, the stones themselves are going to do it. Right. This is the time for this worship to happen. But again, it's not for Jesus. He's not caught up in it because he knows the reality of who he is. He knows the reality of the Father's love for him. He knows the reality of the eternal future that that is in store and the ultimate glory that comes on the other side of all of this suffering, which uh, none of us, as we're talking or listening, none of us have gone through crucifixion. We like to use terms like that. We compare ourselves to Job. We we compare ourselves to Job with all the stuff that was taken away. We we say things like, oh, they just crucified me yesterday. You know what? All that. No, we have no clue. We can't even picture it. And, you know, the closest depiction that I've seen uh, is really Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ mm-hmm. movie. Uh, Which is very hard to watch. It's, it's unbearable. It's gut-wrenching. You know, I, I was physically exhausted mm-hmm. after watching it. Mm-hmm. it. It came out around the time we My started My mom refuses church, to watch it. So <laughs> we, you know, <laughs> being the new pastor of the new church, everybody wanted to see what the pastor saw. I had to see it four times that, that opening weekend. And I was just wrecked physically. Well, that's an so accurate hard. depiction of you. And, yeah, that's pretty, <laughs> pretty right. Uh, I'm still wrecked. But anyhow, as uh, as we are going through this and getting this picture that really has not been depicted on film in the same way, right. it, it's still only a partial picture. And I right. thought Gibson did a good job of trying to draw in the the spiritual weight of it, the the emotional, spiritual, physical, and, and cosmic weight of it. it in what is probably the only um, what what a lot of folks might consider cheesy scene in the whole 
film as a single raindrop falls as a, a right. tear from God and leads to the earthquake. Powerfully symbolic and artistic, but you know, yes, okay, maybe a little cheesy, but it was it was a beautiful picture of what's actually happening and the closest I think that we've seen to depicting this. I think even the language brings you in. The, the fact that they shot it in, in Hebrew and right. Latin, and, you know, that that's really, um, it was really powerful. Not but, just a bunch of Europeans speaking <laughs> English with their... But as we're looking at, at this picture, none of us really get how huge this is. Right. Jesus knew it. He saw it. He embraced it. Never lost sight of the reality that as hard as this is, he even said, Lord, if there's a way for this to go, right. you know, he prayed for the Father to take it from him, knowing full well there wasn't. Um, and this is what I came for. No, I'm not turning away from this. Let's do it. And went headlong into suffering, knowing that the suffering was for God's purposes and on the other side of the suffering is an eternal glory. That is not what I might expect in this life. It's not the, you know, if I suffer now, then I, you know, I'm going to have this victory here where I can see it and feel it. You, for Jesus, it ended in death. Right. which then led to resurrection, right. which led to the ascension, which leads to him spending 2,000 years so far preparing a mansion for us so right. that when he comes back and we get to reign with him, then we get to see the fullness and the culmination, which lasts for eternity beyond that. Right. So Jesus never lost sight of that as reality, whereas a lot of times we see these things as from religious eyes. You know, This is stuff that we believe, we learn it in Sunday school, and then there's real life. And what the scriptures teach us is that this is real life. All of this reality that Jesus is seeing and that Paul is calling us to and Jesus is calling us to, this reality of eternity, of seeing the kingdom, seeing everything through the lens of the kingdom, that actually is reality. All of this feels like reality in the moment, but it's just it's just the title page right. of the great novel. There's so much more that we can't even fathom yet. Right, I was going to say, it's hard for us to wrap our tiny human brains around. For sure. and, and so, Because we haven't been able to see past it. And, you know, there's so much that if we could see, it would be so much easier. And well, I yeah. have people say that to me all the time. Well, if God would just tell me, if God would just show me. Well, he did tell you, it's in the book. You didn't read it. <laughs> or, or you read it and you didn't really want to embrace it. Right. Um, we want God to give us some experience, some mm -hmm, vision. Mm -hmm. And the experience that we see in Scripture, more often than not, is suffering. If you want to know the Christian path, look to the suffering of Christ. This is why, historically, uh, the, the church celebrates Lent. Now, we don't celebrate that as a, as a church. It's not part of our tradition. However, the reason that that was added to the church's traditions throughout the generations was to embrace and to prepare our hearts through some, type of a, some sort of a chosen suffering, mm -hmm. a fast of sorts that draws our minds to repentance. Uh, in some traditions, a penance, which is a flawed concept, but, but it draws us into this idea of repentance and, uh, and suffering so that it, it focuses our mind on the suffering of Christ. Peter said that Jesus suffered leaving an example for us to follow, that right. we would walk in his steps. And we often take that like like in, in the WWJD stuff of the 90s right. and the you know In His Steps novel. We often take that phrase as meaning following in his moral example. But that's not what Peter's saying. What Peter's saying is the suffering take is the cross. example. Right. Exactly. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. That's what Jesus is calling us to. And that is the example, the steps that we are to follow in. 
we don't like that part, so we usually alter it when we can. And so as we're celebrating the arrival in Jerusalem, he is coming as the king he's always been. Right. In the moment, they're recognizing him, not as the king that he has always been, but as the king they want him to be. When he turns out to not be the king they want him to be, but the king who actually is, then they reject him, call for his crucifixion. Uh, on Friday, he's, he's put to death after a, a kangaroo court trial, lies in the, in the grave suffering for our sins with the rejection of the father in that moment, which is just a theological wonder to contemplate. But to see God essentially reject himself in that because he's bearing our sins. Jesus, according to uh, to Second Corinthians, literally became sin for us so that we could literally become the righteousness of God. That is just so far beyond Another religion. Thing. Right. You know, it's it's not a matter of here's a set of beliefs we adhere to, right. and I can quote all the right things, and I can say yes, Jesus died for my sins. Blah blah blah. This is life altering transformation from the inside out. And if we don't get our thoughts aligned with that reality, then we miss everything about the gospel. It has to be everything or it really ultimately is nothing. And so, you know, as we've talked about coming into the church, into this church property uh, this week, it was an exciting time for us. But it's easy for us then to get caught up in the glory of the moment Mm -hmm. as if that's the end. You know, oh, this was our goal. We're here. We've reached the promised land. Uh, like Jesus getting to Jerusalem. And the disciples had to be thinking that, wow, we're here. Look at how everybody sees that that he is the king. This is what we've been waiting for. How awesome. Right. We've reached the promised land. Uh, but it was just getting started. Right. And the same thing is true for us here. There is much more to come. And it is not, as we might often think of it, this glory after glory after glory, victory upon victory. That is a part of it. But in between, the commas between those victories and glories are always suffering, and it's usually not just a comma; it's more of an ellipsis. There's a there's a pause. There's a there's a period where we go through deep suffering, intense suffering, often very long suffering, so that God, who is playing a long game here, he's not he's not looking for you know this quick hitter. You know, it, it's it's a bigger thing is working out a greater glory in us that only that suffering can bring about. Only the suffering of Christ in the Passion could bring about our salvation. Nothing else could affect that. So all of the religion in the world does not fix that. His suffering did. And we need to embrace that as part of God's surprising, seldom easy, but often, but always perfect plan. You know, the picture that you're talking about a minute ago of, of Lent and you use the, the phrase, uh, a chosen suffering. Hmm. We don't choose our suffering. Isn't that amazing? Life. Yeah, we really don't. Um, so, and like we were talking about earlier, your life can go from high up here to at the bottom of the barrel in an instant. Yeah. And I have, I've, uh, I think of that Johnny Cash song, sooner or later, God's going to cut you down. Right, yeah. And... I think we've done that before, haven't we? Uh, several times. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how many churches do, but we, um, we have. Yes. Uh, so I, I guess I've often wondered, are those moments, those long, long, long moments of suffering, um, it's it's not coincidental. You no, know? It's no, just, sure. And I've often wondered, have I gotten, you know, when, when you experience these moments, have I gotten to a point where I'm, 
I'm not being, I don't want to think I'm being punished somehow, but have I gotten too high on, on religion or have I gotten too wrapped up in what music we're doing or or, or over here? And man, that's so easy to do. Right. And then God's like, eh, no, here's where you need to be. Here's what you need to be focusing on. Let's back up and get your head right. Yeah. And I've often wondered if those are the moments where he's telling me, look, you need to refocus here. Yeah, I, and I think you bring up a really good point because we often, and there's an element of semantics that goes along with this. Right. But I think semantics are important. The, the words that we choose and the reason that we say what we say is really important. So when when a preacher is crafting a sermon, we ought to always be very careful about the words that we that we choose. Mm-hmm. And Chuck Swindoll has talked about the fact that he is um, very he's taken hours to make sure that the words not not just what's being said but the actual words that are being used are trying to convey the point so um all to make it sound like you haven't prepared at all right. so it's just off you know, off the cuff but anyhow the the idea of punishment is really huge and i think we go to that a lot so we have this even protestants we have this idea of penance that stays in our head right that you know if i if I make bad choices, if I sin, if I do whatever, then God's going to punish me. God doesn't answer my prayers. God, you know, and I've wrestled with this myself. When when I lapse into sinful thoughts, behaviors, attitudes, mm-hmm. and then immediately following that, something, something bad, bad happens. happens right? yep. Yep. So you're uh, like, somebody, well, <laughs> somebody from the church that we're praying for takes a bad turn and goes right. back to the hospital. Right. Or, um, and you think this is my fault, right? Yeah. yeah, or you know, even like in marriage counseling and stuff. You know, I, if I get off in my thinking and my uh, my sinfulness uh, uh, separate from that, and then the marriage falls apart. Oh, this is you know, God's bringing punishment because of mm-hmm, my sin. Mm-hmm. But that's not really the picture that we see there. So punishment, the punishment of our sin, is pretty clear. The Scripture tells us what right. that punishment is. It's death. death. Right. There's no other option. So. If the punishment for sin is death, then all the rest get of these punishments things, along the way that it's not really the same thing, right. right? So if Jesus took all the punishment for my sin on Himself, there's no punishment left. Jesus paid it all, as we like to sing. He took all of that punishment, but there is a discipline, mm-hmm. and so God, as a good Father, disciplines His children through it. So the punishment, the wrath of God, is being poured out on humanity, on mankind, um, because of sin, because we reject him. But Jesus took that wrath that is being poured out on himself. So those who receive Christ, those who essentially hide themselves in him, are, to borrow from the from the Passover, Old Testament concept, are covered by the blood. So all of the punishment that would that every time I think, oh, you know, God's punished me because of my foolishness, my lack of faith, my whatever. All of those times I think that's punishment. That all that punishment's already been on Christ. Right. There's no punishment left. But the discipline is what you were referring to. When I start to get off, I get too focused on like you said, the music or or even I, just my own life, my you know my work or right. You know, a hundred times a day right. we have those temptations right. that we go through. So. All of the things that that we might see as a lack of faith, because essentially that's what it is, you know. What even the things like you know getting too caught up in my kids' success, mm-hmm. getting too caught up in my kids' safety. You know, we've talked about that a lot of times, uh, for very valid reasons. 
But when that begins to take our focus away from the eternal things and keeps us from trusting God to handle it, then very often there is a discipline that comes. The difference between discipline and punishment, punishment has to do with retribution. A, a crime has been committed and payment must be made, mm-hmm. period. This is, this is how it works. You killed someone, you forfeit your life, done. You stole something, you go to jail, done. Uh, and it's not, we've kind of changed that as far as how we view that in, in our modern criminal justice system, and it hasn't gone well for the most part. But we look at it in terms of reform and so on. That's not what punishment is about. Punishment is you did the crime, you do the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, discipline has much more to do with a transformation. Discipline right. is not always punishment, but it involves a form of punishment, if you will. Uh, discipline is training. Mm-hmm. So God brings hardship and suffering into our lives to shatter the things, those props that, that we lean on instead of leaning on him so that he can guide and shape and transform us, to conform us to the likeness of his son. And apart from suffering, we don't become mature and complete. Right. You know, James right. 1 talks about that, that we should consider our trials, our tribulations, our difficulties to be pure joy, not because they're fun, not because they are in themselves inherently joy, but because they're bringing about a greater purpose of building in us perseverance, endurance, so that through that we were able to become mature and complete, perfect in some translations, lacking in nothing. Everything that God intends for us to be, everything that we need to be, we become because of the suffering that causes us to grow. Uh, Romans 5 talks about that same thing. We see so much of what Paul uh, experiences in his life and then passes on through his letters to the churches that all of this suffering is small potatoes compared to what is coming. And if this suffering is going to make me more like Jesus or is going to somehow through my suffering reach someone else with the gospel, then bring it all. I'll take all of it. Because only God's plan matters. No matter how surprising it is, no matter how difficult it is, I trust that it's always perfect, and it takes me that way. And I think we'll end there, uh, you know, with a quick tie-in here. We were just talking about the difference between discipline and and punishment. I think the bottom line here, and as we're going into Easter, is Jesus took the punishment. 100%. I mean, the end. All of it. Every every bit of it. So while it's easy in our human nature to think, oh, I'm being punished for this, That's what we have to keep in mind is, is Jesus took all the punishment. Yeah, and it's probably important for us to point out that that's not a universalist idea that because well, he took all the punishment, nobody goes to hell, right, nobody right. has to face it. You have to, uh, that punishment is our default mode. Right. We are dead in our sins and we will face the judgment for our sins, all of us, unless we receive the gift that he gives us of taking that punishment. He has taken it, but if we don't choose to receive that gift, then it has no provision for us personally and we end up left to our own devices and that's not good that's not good (laughs) we will talk about that more on uh, next week's podcast awesome thanks guys